signature. <laughs> <laughs> and I turn the metronome on again. I don't think that I'll pick up in the recording, but you never know. So, um, how you doing, man? I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Good. Thank you for being so cool today. Yeah. Um, thank you. I appreciate you coming out and coming out twice yeah, long story yeah. we, won't, we don't have to get into it but um do you have any any dates you want to plug or first um, like maybe introduce yourself <laughs> let you do uh, that my name is kuna bear i'm a rapper originally from richmond virginia living in savannah georgia almost almost six years now um i make i don't know i just classify it as hip-hop but like if you have to organize it in your mind i say it's like jazzy psychedelic uh Hip. Yeah, jazzy, psychedelic hip hop. I just blend those two things a lot, and there's a little punk rock in there too. Uh, upcoming dates. The only show that I really have upcoming right now is, I believe, is March seventh. Uh, there's a a fundraiser for the Australian wildfires that's going on. I know Night Squatch is playing. I think the Algorithms are playing. They're from Tybee Island. Mm-hmm. I'm playing, and there's some other bands as well. I don't know what the address is because it's, I believe it's a house show. Okay. So they haven't released the address publicly that I know of yet, but when that comes out, I'll be posting it online. Sure. Or asking people to DM me for the address. Absolutely. But, and I can, yeah. um, I can include some links to you on yeah. the, on the, uh, the podcast page and stuff. So, uh, thank you for coming. Thank you for doing this. <laughs> thank you for having um, me. wanted to go back just kind of a starting point. Sure. Uh, I remember, seeing you a while ago for the first time i think it was like 2016 maybe 2017 collab days probably it was it was at the first time i saw you was at what was the it was a it was a bookstore right next to starlandia yeah space Space cat Cat or something um and you immediately stuck out of my mind and i like i know we're not super familiar with each other but i've always remembered you and you stuck out because uh, I did a little digging on the the live performance thing with the Roland. Is an SP four four four? Yeah, I use a four hundred four. I that immediately stuck out to me was like, oh, he's like manipulating a lot of these effects yeah. and sort of manipulating the track live, which I thought was just really cool and really <laughs> unique. <you>. And <clears throat> also, like your your lyrics, um, it was it's very unique how you approach. Hip hop lyricism. I like I like your use of slant rhymes. That's something I picked up on (laughs) almost immediately. Because sometimes, sometimes you know, I think people are a little too on the grid, and you know, they have sixteen bars. They're rhyming with the snare drum. You're rhyming all over the place. (laughs) Sometimes you're not even rhyming. I just I dig I dug it. It's like this really cool line between hip hop and poetry, and really being free with it. So, um, how long have you been doing this? Uh, Since I've lived in Savannah, really, I. I started rapping like I want to say maybe four months before I moved to Savannah. It was just like a I had been doing a whole bunch of different music things uh, before that in different bands, doing like punk and metal bands and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I got to a point where I couldn't keep a steady drummer, <clears throat> and my bass player went off to college, so I was at home by myself with nothing to do. I was trying singer songwriter stuff; it wasn't working. And a homie of mine was like, hey, man, you have a, a good rapping voice. Like, you could try that shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I played around with the idea a little bit and didn't take it super seriously. But I started to, like, kind of formulate projects around the time that I was getting ready to move here. And the first year or two that I was doing it, I 
was too young to play anywhere. So I just basically made as much music as I could in my room, and it kind of became a thing where I was able to to experiment more just because I wasn't out in public just rapping. I didn't have, like, a DJ or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So it kind of evolved from the singer-songwriter stuff and from the, like... I'm into psychedelic rock and like progressive metal and stuff like that. Like I love the Mars Volta. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I took those elements and kind of wanted to put that into the rap music because rapping on stage with nothing in my hands but the microphone, I kind of felt naked. It yeah, felt a little yeah, yeah. weird transitioning from like a guitar with pedals and I have two hands on something at all times physically manipulating the music. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to have some aspect of that. So when I saw... Cats like uh, shout out to Milo R.A.P. Ferreira, shout out to cats like Bus Driver and Ross G and Flying Lotus. I mean, there's so many producers in the hip hop scene and rappers in that scene that use the 404 to manipulate their beats either live with effects or not effects, but mm-hmm. however they're choosing to do it. And it was just inspiring to be like, this is exactly what I needed, like a physical instrument type of connectivity to the music that I'm playing Mm -hmm. and it just worked out for me gave you something to do with your hands yeah (laughs) made me feel less awkward on stage it's like it kind of gives me a a defined space because I have this little fold up table and Mm -hmm. it's just like I'm in my bubble now Mm -hmm. and I like can enter my zone when I approach the table and it kind of becomes you know I can zone I can zoom in on the music a little more I get it. I get yeah. it. And so typically like how you're running your sound out of that thing is you're plugging your iPod into that and then that into the PA and then you're manipulating aspects of the, the track with the Roland. Right, right. Yeah. That's really and you're you're manipulating your voice as well. Like yeah. the input mic and stuff. So the Roland has a built in mic port mm-hmm. for like a little microphone. Uh it's usually used for sampling vocals or like for sampling guitars or stuff like that. But and, and honestly, a lot of the other rappers and performers I know who do use their 404 when they perform tend to not uh, put their mic directly in, mm-hmm. and they'll put their mic into a mixer, or they'll have a separate 404 for their for their vocal, or something along those lines that kind of separates the beat from the vocal, so you can still choose how you want to affect it a little more specifically, but I just kind of let them all layer. Mm-hmm. Uh, because then it, it kind of lets me use my voice as an instrument more on the fly. I don't have to like remember which 404 has my vocal in it on that in that moment. I can kind of just push the button and let it do its thing. And I train myself to figure out which effects work best with like what vocal techniques. Like if I'm screaming or singing something into the microphone, uh, I just kind of had to play around with that type mm-hmm. of stuff. But. Using it like an instrument. Yeah, yeah. Figuring, yeah, that's it's like cool. A, it's like a guitar pedal for me, so mm-hmm. figuring out all the nuances, because there are a lot of effects in it as well. It's just tons of stuff, mostly for producing and for DJing, but mm-hmm. using it in my way, you know, it's just a lot of different opportunities to try weird things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That would, that's, a, that's a good word for how it, it like, if you've never seen it live like it is definitely very weird but yeah in the coolest possible way in the coolest yeah, possible I, terms we use weird as positive terms around that's, here that's <laughs> right that's right and you're so what is your 
Like, what's the DAW you're using? Because you're not doing much of the uh, with the Roland other than the live performance, I'm guessing. Well, I produce a lot with the 404 at home. Oh, okay. Uh, a lot of the beats that I make are off the 404 or have gone through the 404 at some point of the beat making process. But, okay. But I kind of use a little bit of everything. I, I mainly use Ableton now. But I started with GarageBand and then went to Logic Pro, and I knew some people who had Cubase a little bit, uh, and I had like the trial version of Pro Tools when I was in high school mm-hmm. that I got off my friend and stuff. So I've kind of messed with a little bit of everything, and depending on the project, I'll use different uh, DAWs. Just f- some of them have slightly different samples that are like the stock sounds and you can, I like to mess with stock sounds and manipulate those mm-hmm. in, as opposed to like going out and buying tons and tons of sample packs so if I don't sample it myself I'll just mess with the stock sounds and yeah and turn that into something different but mm-hmm. yeah I like to use whatever is available yeah that's <laughs> cool yeah. I like the tools I don't have a whole lot of toys and like electronic uh, toys but I like I like playing around with that type of stuff mm-hmm. So, um, the newest release, Quiet Bear, yeah. that was at the very end of last year, yeah, kind of snuck right in under the, the 2019 line. Um, what I was kind of going back to this, um, our music is very different, I th- would think, for sure. in terms of uh, sound and stuff, but I think we both have this like mutual love for lyrics yeah. and just sort of uh, like songwriting. Definitely. Uh, and that was one of the things that stuck out most when kind of listening to that album is because you do hit these beats of like this is a very lyric heavy song and then you kind of go into more of like the acid jazz thing and yeah, just have kind sure. of the beats going and stuff but I love your album construction I think it's highly creative thank uh, you I like how you're bringing other people in on the projects and yeah shout out to Unsung Unsung is the man yeah. <laughs> he's, he's the one that is reoccurring on that album yeah Unsung and I he's really he really would be the backbone behind that record if I could say so I'm not sure how he would say it <laughs> <laughs> because we both we have a strong mutual respect for one another mm-hmm. and, and a pretty good friendship for two people who've never met besides on the internet Oh wow! Yeah, he, I did, I had yeah. No I've idea. never gotten to meet him. I would love to one day. I haven't gotten a good enough excuse to drive up to West Virginia, but I need to get out there Definitely. just to say hi. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he. Uh, it legit he, sounds like you guys are in the same room. So. Yeah, he. We have a really good synergy. Yeah. I'm really happy with all of the music that we put out together. And is is his his face on the other side of the band? Yes, That's, yes. Okay. On the album artwork is uh, what I'm talking about. Um, Looking back, you have quite an expansive discography. I was, <laughs> I was checking it For out. Sure. I just wrote the numbers down. You had four releases in 2016, four in 2017, five in 2018, and then six in tw- 2019, including Quiet Bear. For sure. And very impressed. Like, very impressed. I, How much can we expect in 2020? <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's something I'm kind of debating right now, because as... As I've been doing this, more and more people have been asking me to put stuff out for them through Beartooth, which is a blessing, but it also gives me, like, now I have to think of it uh, in terms of scheduling things so that I'm not promoting my stuff while while I'm also trying to promote their stuff, because I want to be able to give... We don't do a whole lot of other people's releases, because I don't really think about Beartooth Collective as a record label that often. But mm-hmm. when people really want us to, and their music is awesome, you know, if they're good people, I have no problem with helping share people's music. So, and that's kind of the function of Beartooth. Is yeah, to, it, it's like almost like a promotion. We're kind of 
I want to think about it like it's like an open source record label. It's okay. like if you need help with doing something creative, I want to be able to help. And if I can't help, I want to be able to point people in the right direction to be able to either do it themselves, empower them in that way, or be able to show them someone else who can directly help them with whatever it is that they're able to do. Um in whatever manner that means, and to that end, we act non non for profit. Like I'm not doing Beartooth to make money, and we don't release people's music to make money. If people want us to take profit from their releases, then that's okay. But like, it's not necessary. And uh, I just want to be able to help people. You know, mm-hmm. I have resources at my disposal. And I spend enough time on the internet digging around <laughs> looking for cheap deals on like how to get tapes out for people cheap and yeah. and you know lab cut vinyl for people and things like that uh, to just be able to help out. I feel like that's part of my job in the community. You know, that's awesome. You, you know, like every community has to have somebody who's either willing or able to assist other people mm-hmm. and we can't all do everything like i wish i could do more i wish i could act like a proper label but i also don't think that's my personal place to be a record label okay uh but i want to be able to help people anyway so whatever ways i can you know if it's that's awesome if it's you need someone to make tour posters or if you need someone who can help you get tapes made or if you need someone to just promote your stuff online uh, just hit us up, Beartooth Collective. We're all over the internet. Uh, there are people who like are a part of Beartooth, quote unquote. But I mean, that's more of like a personal decision for them. You know, like I've had people shout out to Lady Valor and Virgil Wolf and uh, Verbatim Solo Signature who've come to me and said, "Hey, I want to be a part of Beartooth. I want to, you know." put records out for us consistently and do things like that and those people make they fill my heart <laughs> with so much joy because it really it it means a lot to me because in a lot of ways it's just me in my room doing whatever i can mm-hmm. to share other people's stuff on the internet so well i think that shows that you're fostering something very positive and helping people out and then those people want to yeah, continue the chain yeah. and they want to help people out it's and- been a beautiful it's been a beautiful thing that's been growing as the years go on so and all that to say you know uh <laughs> i've got a lot of things planned for the year personally for myself coming out but i'm gonna see how i want to pace it okay for sure remains to be seen yeah. and that's some um you were kind of talking about it that's something i forgot to write down but you're also quite a prolific visual artist as well. Like I've yeah. caught a lot of your, uh, your it's, it looks like watercolor. It's hard to tell sometimes with pictures, but you, you paint, you draw, you, yeah, you yeah. do it all. Man. I do a little bit of everything. Yeah. And I, I started with drawing and painting. That's, that's kind of been my first love. I've been doing that since I was a little kid. Uh, and I have a weird relationship with it where I don't enjoy selling it, but it makes me the most money. <laughs> <laughs> and so I have this thing where I try not to like I don't mind talking about it but I try not to promote it as much as the music because I'm trying to gain back that love for it that I had from before I was trying to sell art all the time heavy mm-hmm. it really pulled me out of the pulled me out of the enjoyment and it took me a while to kind of gain that back so I don't I still sell art and I do commissions and stuff but I also just paint 
real on the low at the house all the time. And Keep just, it to yourself. Yeah, yeah, just trying to get that love back for it so that it, it remains something that is a passion and not just becomes like a job. Yeah, you know? for sure. Yeah. But as soon as deadlines start coming up, it yeah, seems like a real hassle. Like, Man, this is just not fun anymore. <laughs> if you were left to your own devices, mm. you could crank out so much art. For sure. But immediately, as soon as like something else is on the docket, as like so, this person needs a specific thing, yeah. or like it needs to be done by a specific time. It seems like creative creativity grinds to a halt. And and for me, it's not even specifically those types of things as much as it is the, like. And it sucks to be so general, but it's like the people who just don't know what they want from their art. Mm. Like that's a difficult thing for me, mainly because. The visual art I make is so detail-oriented. Like, it's very surrealism-based, and it has, like, elements of graffiti and contemporary art mixed in it. And uh, at least, like, visually when you're looking at it. And for me, it just takes time. And so when someone gives me a very vague idea of what they're looking for, Mm -hmm. and they say, well, go with it, I trust you. And then... I continue to show them, you know, progression steps as I'm going through and they're loving it and they're loving it. And then I get to a point where I think it's close to the final product. And they're like, now that they can see where I'm gone with it, they're like, oh, but what about if we did this and we change these things around? And it's like, like I can do it and I want to do it because I want to help you get your vision and I want to you know and I also just want to have good client repertoire like I want to be able to say that I make people happy with the products they get but at the same time it's like all the work is done now so now I have to like reset the entire aspect and it it just becomes the whole thing where you uh, I at least I get burned out because I'm just an introvert so like I want I like being around people, but I want the interactions to go as smooth as possible. And then when there's like hiccups that don't need to happen, it's like we could just make this easier. <laughs> then things you're, would fall apart. You're and, you relating know. to so many graphic design people yeah. right now. <laughs> I, I feel y'all so much, man. I like yeah. I wanted to see the Sonic movie because I'm a huge Sonic fan. And and I remember like <laughs> when the original design came oh, out yeah, and yeah, everyone yeah. was losing their minds and all <laughs> that, like I was at work talking about it because people who I work with know that I paint and stuff. And they're mm-hmm. like, how do you feel about it? And they'd never thought about like how little animators get paid and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, man, y'all have no idea like yeah. how much my heart hurts yeah. thinking about it. But, <laughs> but I've heard that it's really, really good. So I want to check it out. I'm a huge Sonic nerd. I've been- I love that stuff. I've been looking at the memes people have been making. I'm not super yeah. into Sonic the Hedgehog, but I think it's like a pretty hilarious situation. Oh, where hell like yeah. the internet, <laughs> the internet basically like held a movie studio hostage, <laughs> bullied them into making <laughs> yeah. a better movie. And then like uh, I saw all the memes that were like, "Y'all, we should for real go and check this movie out because we bullied this studio and they actually <laughs> did what we wanted." <laughs> We may as well go see it. We might as well go and support them for making the changes that we bullied them into doing. I love it. I love it. I have heard it's really good, though. I'm excited about it. Even just like as a kid's movie. Yeah, yeah. Or as a movie in general, I've heard it's got some good stuff going for it. I mean, it can't be worse than Sonic 06. (sighs) Very few things can be worse than Sonic 06. This is the world we live in. Yeah. Yeah. I do. Like, uh, I was, there's a, 
non sequitur, but there's a YouTube channel I like a lot. Hmm. And they were talking about a Sonic game at one point and somebody brought up a really good point. It was like, why is Sonic the, uh, like, um, Sonic is the brand that everybody equally cares about and doesn't care about at the same time. <laughs> and I was like, that's a really good point. Yeah, it like, is. People don't care about it until it's bad. <laughs> and then they really care. Yeah, and then they're like, I remember when it was so good. Man, nostalgia is crazy. Yeah, it's a crazy thing. <laughs> crazy. Speaking of nostalgia, one of your earliest works, one of the songs off your first release in 2016 really stuck out to me, um, Obsidian Mirror. Ooh, um, that's a good one. That just happened to be the first one that I hit. Mm-hmm. Really struck a chord with me. And then I tried to go back through the discography a little bit, but a lot of my focus was on Quiet Bear and some of the, the newer sure. stuff. But um, a couple of the ones that stuck out to me were Obsidian Mirror, uh, Concourse. Nice. Concourse, really, because it was Thank it you. was quasi-proggy. Because yeah, it started out... What, what was your... Um, your collaborator's name, I'm so Unsung. sorry. Unsung. It starts out with him, and there's kind of this chill pan flute in the back. Yeah. And then you come in, and it's a shift. Like, it's a very dramatic <laughs> sure. shift. But it was, like, very well done. I really liked that. And then um, a royal burial off of Ro- uh, Regal. Regal Unruly Crown. Yeah. Yeah, I love royal burial. Those all stuck out in my mind, and I'm really looking forward to digging in more. But... Uh, speaking on that, are there any? Do you have any favorite songs that you've made? Anything that really sticks Man, out? That's such a, a lot. <laughs> that's such a good question. I guess if if you're looking for like the deep cuts of stuff that I have done in the past, one of my favorite songs is Mobius Strip Contortion. It's off of the very first record I ever put out called Cloak and Soap and Dagger. And it's one of the first beats that I ever produced. It's just a bunch of like uh, garage band loops. <laughs> but uh, it's a beat that is just super jazzy. And I was like, I had made it and I was like, well, this is going to be a test because I don't know how I'm going to rap over my own beats. And I and it's like not a hip hop song. It, mm-hmm. It's hip hop, but it's like it's all jazz the whole way through. Mm-hmm. And so me trying to like figure out how to tongue twist my way around these saxophone solos the whole time and it just never ends it's trumpets and saxes the whole way through and then just piano solos like it doesn't stop and so that for me is one of my favorites because it's just a song where I'm rapping rapping and it's got it's a good lyrically good beat it's definitely time it's very old. You can tell, like, yeah. production-wise, is not the best. <laughs> I will. I I leave my old, like I I leave my old stuff up, kind of for myself, so I can look back on it and see where I've gone, remember things that I thought about in the past. But it it's still like is weird sometimes to be like, man, I, this is cringy a little bit because <laughs> the production quality is so poor. Like, my had a mic with a busted mic cable and I'd had oh, to like nice. hold yeah. it in a weird angle. I'm sitting on the edge of my bed <laughs> with my laptop in my like on my lap <laughs> trying to rap. <laughs> it's just crazy. The things we learn as it goes, yeah. as it goes on. That's a good one. That's a good song. Uh I have a lot. There's uh Homeless Jazz from the Side B record. I put out my self-titled Kuna Bear record and then I put out a a b-side which is a whole separate album Mm -hmm. and they're totally like opposite sides of the coin thematically sonically like one is very bright and the other is very dark and a lot more conceptual 
But Homeless Jazz is on the B side, and it's one of my favorite cuts off that record. It's uh, I wrote it from the perspective of being a homeless person who just had had become homeless because of all of the things in life that were supposed to work out, like the stereotypical steps you take just fell apart, like high school to, mm-hmm. you know, jobs and everything in between. You get stuck in this place. I had known some people who had been in such a situation recently at that point. So it was really in my mind at the time. Uh, but yeah, it's a good cut. It's it's a dark one, but it's deep. I like it a lot. <laughs> Can't a, wait to check it out. I like getting a little bit of direction and st- with this and stuff because there is so much to. Yeah, look at. for I mean, sure. We're looking at like. And for the record, to anybody, I don't mind. Like, if anyone has questions about my stuff, I don't mind answering questions about any of my songs or my albums. I know I I purposefully don't <laughs> leave <laughs> the answers out for people, but I'm not afraid to answer those types of questions because. I honestly, I'm kind of curious what people think of my stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't often outright ask, because to me, a little bit of that is like getting into the ego and shit. And sure, I like to it's like it's a weird approach. Right? Yeah, but yeah. at the same time, I do like to know what people think. So if anyone ever does have questions, I'm not afraid to. <laughs> well, that's feel what, free to hit yeah, me up. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> kind of cool. that's kind of what this is because I yeah, yeah. I started doing this with the theory that. Um, musicians probably want to talk about their stuff but yeah. probably don't have a ton of like ways to do that yeah i feel um, that cuz you have it inside and you know i think when people come out and they support you, you know your friends come out or you have fans that come out yeah. and support it might just be that it might not go into like what were you thinking about when you wrote this song yeah you know? so and sometimes you you kind of want to tell people yeah 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 i feel yeah. that and it's but it's it's sort of a weird approach. It's like you you can't bring it up, so yeah, cause this is kind of a platform up, to do it. I feel, um, thank you for having this platform. I dude, appreciate it. Thank you that. for coming on. In terms of if I can take full advantage of yeah. the offer you just made. Yeah, go um, for it. Go one for of it. the themes that kind of ran throughout of a, lot of, a lot of the material that I was personally mm-hmm. um, listening to was this concept of identity. And for a sure. lot of times it was... I feel like self-identity. For sure. But there were definitely branches that were going into things like, you know, where where's my identity in my community, in my uh, in my age group, in my gender? Like, there's For things sure. coming up. So yeah, definitely. Are there, um, are there any themes that stick out in your mind when you write that you like to touch on or you like to... Hmm. Do you kind of come up with new concepts as it goes? It kind of depends. Uh, I'm the type of writer who doesn't really think before he writes. Okay. Uh, well, no, that's not entirely true. I guess for the most part, that's true. Uh, I tend to not really know what the song is going to be about until after it's done. And sometimes not even until after like a whole album's worth of songs are done. And then Mm. I can sit and listen back to them and kind of give them context within my own life. But I definitely have had moments in my life where I've had identity struggles, not necessarily like crises, crises, but things were like, you know, it's I have a complicated identity, but I feel like everybody does to some degree. Like if you want to organize identity down to the things that make you who you are in a, I guess, a sociological sense, like. I am an American, I'm a black person, I'm half 
Asian on my father's side. I am like, I am bisexual. I am these, all these labels and you can take them and put yourself in all these little boxes. But at the end of the day, those things don't make up who you actually are. Like mm. These are identifiers. These are terms. These are titles. These are, you know, things that are given to you sometimes just based on context of events that have gone on in your existence, but they might not necessarily define you on a full on a full spectrum. And so I think that exploring those things is necessary. And also, uh, I guess I kind of grew up really young. And so for for my I'm 24. For my age, a lot of people in my age range are not necessarily, in my opinion, on the same uh the wavelength is me, mm. for lack of a better term. And I feel like because I had to grow up early, I was able to ask a lot of these questions for myself a lot younger. And so since I am of my age range and a lot of the people who I rap with are in my age range, you know, a lot of the cats that I talk to or come across in life at shows or just, you know, doing anything are kind of lost. Mm. And I see it a lot with people who are in my age, and I feel lost a lot of the time. And so, you know, these types of questions pop up in your mind when you're trying to figure out what life is beyond the confines of, say, your hometown or your family structure or your school upbringing or your work environment. Like, there is a lot of things that exist in the in-between. And I feel like that's a place that, Rap doesn't explore as much as it could, and I'm into it, so why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm into it, so I, I studied psychology and stuff in high school and in college a little bit, and that's just kind of where my mind tends to gravitate. I ask myself questions, I talk to myself, and I think all that stuff just comes out in the music. Mm, <laughs> I for think sure. it all just becomes the topics as it goes on. Okay. So you're you're so you're pretty fluid in terms of like as you're creating. Yeah, definitely. Not totally absent of thought, but no. you, you do. Do you kind of just let it run until something sounds good, and then it just snows ball, snowballs? Yeah. Well, I think about it like sometimes. Uh, sometimes I'll sit down and I'll like I'll roll up a joint and I'll just play a beat mm-hmm. over and over again until something clicks in my mind, like a rhythm or. Uh, like a hum, a humming mm-hmm. tune to how I want a flow to go, and then I'll just kind of let it carry itself until you know you hit your snags or you hit your moments where you you kind of brain fart, and then I'll take those things and look at that. But I try to, <clears throat> I try to write. If I start a song, I try to finish it all in that same session. Oh wow! Uh, might not get recorded that day, but I'll definitely try to finish whatever the song is writing wise and and production wise mm-hmm. in that session and then might come back to it a couple days later or whatever but in that yeah I'm definitely kind of fluid with with how I let things get constructed I tend to not you know say I'm going to do four bars here or I want to have this chorus uh sometimes I just let things happen sometimes I try to plot things out but I honestly find for myself, if I try too hard to structure stuff, then it just comes out boring, and I don't enjoy it myself. So I just let the fluid happen. Yeah, you know? sure. Let it go. 
operate on the maybes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I also think just growing up with a punk kind of influenced background, like I learned a lot about enjoying the flaw in certain things. So I try to to not make my music sound too crisp and clean mm-hmm. or like too professionally done because to me that's not even necessarily like I'm making this stuff in my house in my living room. So <laughs> if, if I'm trying to make it sound too much like I'm in this million dollar studio, like in my head, that's inauthentic for one, but also just kind of takes away from that sure. genuine aspect of like being at the house when I'm recording a song. Cause sometimes the roommates are in there. Sometimes like people are coming in and out of the house. Like, and you want to cut out as much background noise as you can recording anything, but sure. at the same time, it really adds to the essence of being in that moment where it's like, for example, I've written a new song for a record that is coming out at some point this year, hopefully the spring. <laughs> uh, and the opening line is three weeks, three nights, 3 a.m., awake again. And I wrote it at 3 a.m. and recorded it at 3 a.m., after being having insomnia for three weeks straight and just, you know, I feel like in that moment where I was making the beat and when I was writing the song, you know, if I were to make that sound like I was anywhere but in that space, it would be weird. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it wouldn't come across the same way. Sure. But that's just me. Everybody's different. No, <laughs> Everyone's I, I ear think is different too. I really enjoy the method behind what you're doing i think i think it's very thought out um even if not a whole lot of thought happens before the creation process i i like that you're like you're staying true to what you believe this should stand for and that kind of goes back to an earlier point we were talking about it kind of was a segue into the we were talking about the visual art and you're talking about um what your art or like having an idea of what your art stands for and stuff what do you what do you think you're doing this for like what do you think you want your art to stand for or mm. what it, what should it reflect and we kind of went into that because definitely mm. authenticity is an important for sure. factor for you i my tagline <laughs> I, that's weird to call it that now that i just said that out loud <laughs> <laughs> i get it's like the slogan it's like it's like the uh the creed i guess the patron saint of patron saints like in my mind there's a patron saint for everything, but nothing is there to represent the people who represent other people. And, okay. and that's kind of like, there's there's representation for, you know, there's representation for your politics, for your belief system, for your gender, for your sex, for your your identity, for all the things that you can feel, the things you can have, but there's not necessarily... In my mind that I know of, there's not like someone who's there to represent the people who are helping represent other people. Like the guy who's opening the door for the guy who's opening the door for the guy who's walking through the door. Who's who's bringing the mailman their mail? Like that guy. I kind of want to be that guy. Okay. So I think about it in those terms. Like I'm... I'm doing this stuff for myself at the end of the day because for me music is cathartic and it's it's therapy and it's something that I love and something that I enjoy but at the same time if I have to represent anybody I'm going to end up representing the people who are like me and 
I kind of tend to stick up for the underdog, whether or not that's even an intentional decision. So, in my mind, that's, I guess, I make music for the people who are making music for others. Like, everybody needs a therapist. Sure, <laughs> Even yeah. your therapist. Yeah, yeah. Who are they talking to? You yeah, know? yeah, you know what I mean? I feel like I tend to grab those people, and, and those people tend to gravitate towards me. So. Okay. We the all, helpers. Man, yeah, you You're know. helping, they're helping. We might not necessarily be in the foreground, but we're there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like think that's that. what matters. Yeah. I mean, I'm not necessarily like I would love for my music to get to a point where it can pay all my bills and I can live comfortably just off of the things that I create in my free time. But at the same time, I don't necessarily want to be famous or like become this thing other than just myself. I like having a separation sometimes between art and artist. And it lets me just be a human being <laughs> in this world where like we're all on our phones all the time. Like mm. I'm I'm only Kuna Bear when I wanna be, and I think that's important for me. So Is there a distinction between Kuna Bear and yourself? Not really. Yeah. I just I, <laughs> I just asked because you introduced yourself as Kuna Bear and I was wondering where the line if there is one. The line is drawn with Whichever you prefer to call me. <laughs> like, for real, my uh, my roommates, as a joke, at, at first he was kind of joking when he said it, but I learned afterwards that he was kind of serious. He was like, I'll never call you by your government name. I was laughing at it, and I was like, what are you, what? And he was like, nicknames are very sacred to me. And, and you know, second names are very sacred to me of any kind. So I, I take that with respect. And if that's what you tell me your name is, that's what I'm going to call you. And, uh... Because he met me as Kuna Bear when I was performing. Mm. So when he met me, I introduced myself as Kuna Bear. Because in my head, I'm like, that's just the etiquette. Like, I'm at a show. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I'm performing. I'm like this entity right now. But Your name's my, probably on the poster. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, nah. It's, it's I'm still Matt at the end of the day. You know, I don't really put too much stock in that. Like, Kuna Bear was made up when I was 15 and I didn't know there were even meanings for the word Kuna until I turned like 23. <laughs> like what's the, what's the meaning behind it? Uh, I think someone said that it means cradle in Spanish. Okay. And I think it's also a, the name of a coin of currency somewhere. Okay. I could be wrong about the second one. But if Some you Google Kuna Bear and you like look through the images, it'll be pictures of me for like three pages and then it just gets to baby cribs and you're like, <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> it's like nothing but baby cribs with bears on it. There's something it's very, adorable. There's something very deep happening there. <laughs> I think I need to corner the baby crib market. <laughs> That's how I'll blow up and then I'll fade into the black. Yeah, yeah. But you can posture up with that money to keep yeah, this going. I'll use the crib, the cradle business. We got it. We got hip hop cradles. <laughs> I'll play Run DMC as you rock your baby to sleep. Yeah. It's yeah, like yeah, the yeah. Uh, the toothbrushes that play music when you brush your teeth. Yeah, 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 yeah. Got you with the cradles. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. We're talking about art. We're talking about why you're expressing yourself with art or what you're expressing True. out of yourself with art. Um, where are you... I, I was just curious because I, like, mm. I get this vibe from your music. Uh... It reminds me a lot of the, I'm not an expert on hip hop by any yeah. means, but it yeah. reminds me of a lot of the stuff that I really liked when I first found hip hop. So I found yeah. people like 
uh, a tribe called Quest. Hell yeah. Uh, Black Thought um, yeah. from the Roots is oh, probably dude, that's yeah. a huge holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. In terms of like wordsmithing and um, beat making, but a lot of what the I guess like the instrumental For components sure. of your song remind me of is like People Under the Stairs. And Damn, like the yeah. far side and some stuff kind of like that. I dig it. Um, I was just wondering, like, was what's like informing your sound? Like, what do you mm. think? Maybe not. You're not just copying, pasting, and doing the whole like, uh, like mixtape thing. Sure. But like, what's kind of inspiring your sounds? Everything. Yeah. I uh, I was kind of blessed to have a lot of different kinds of music around growing up and it wasn't even like there was always music around but I had enough different groups of different kinds of groups of people in my life growing up to where like my dad is from Pakistan and so he listened to like a lot of Bollywood stuff and would listen to like the the um the soundtracks for certain Indian and Pakistani films and so I had a lot of uh a lot of Asian influenced music coming around in my life from his side of the family and then like as a kid in the 90s and 2000s there's like all the radio crap that's going on so you have all kinds of like alternative and pop music is playing all the time and then my mom was the super southern lady who listens to gospel music and a lot of smooth jazz and and so I grew up with like that all mixed in with punk rock and metal because that's what I grew gravitated toward Mm -hmm. and then I had jazz from my guitar teacher and so there was all this different stuff and it all kind of has just meshed together (laughs) and And here you are yeah here I am I'm kind of just sifting through it all and and pulling the things that I enjoy out of it like I wish it was cooler for hip hop to have double bass pedal. <laughs> like, that would be dope. I yeah, want more yeah. hip hop acts to have double bass in their drums. Not because it's not hip hop, but because I think it'd just be different. I think it'd be cool to incorporate that into your beats. And so I try to do weird drum patterns with mm-hmm. my stuff. Like I incorporate guitar a lot. I'll use guitar as like the background sound for a lot of weird drony stuff. I'll use effects pedals and like I love electronic music and house music so I'll add I have a side project called Melty Hermit where it's like the underlying sound is house music but everything over that is just genre blending over and over again I'll go from like Latin sounds to this forest like ambient ASMR track and then that'll (laughs) fade into this psychedelic acid jazz trip and you'll be (laughs) on this ride and like I just love I love it all so I like to add as much of it as I can if I could (laughs) just be a session musician all day and just learn every instrument I would like I would love that Yeah, but I don't have that much free time (laughs) no (laughs) one's paying me for it so I'm gonna just make these trippy hip hop soundscapes and you know I'm glad that people like it because I don't I've just never heard a lot of people who do things like that recently I found more people because I think as I have been making what I think is weird and off the cuff, I find that I'm gravitating towards even weirder and more off the cuff <laughs> people than me. And it's like, hell yeah. Because yeah. you, you sometimes can feel like you're a little in this by yourself until you come across somebody who's speaking the same language. Sure. So yeah. it's cool. I've, uh, 
I found like producers that I used to listen to for their hip hop stuff, specifically like Blockhead, for example, from New York, who I got into him from Aesop Rock, who's one of my favorite rappers. He did production on a bunch of his older stuff, and it's a lot more like old hip hop from New York underground sound. But his more recent stuff is just kind of similar to what I was saying earlier. Like he really kind of pulls from a lot of different places and blends a lot of different sounds together in a way that's cinematic almost mm. like for a hip hop instrumental record. You're like, dude, where am I? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How did you take me here? <laughs> I love that type of shit. It's my jam going inside and yeah, seeing where the music takes you. Yeah. Just being able to take someone on a journey. Yeah. I think is the effort that everyone's album no matter what genre or style or how long it is, like you should try to take somebody someplace they haven't been to before. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's the best way to, to, to approach anything. I think that's a core that tenant of like trying to be creative for sure. Yeah. But I mean, sometimes you just want to make a moment and that's not a bad thing. Sure. But that's me. That's my opinion. I think like bringing a full journey where every song is a moment mm. guides you along something. Some next level stuff comes out of that. I think so as well. What's your favorite part about this crazy thing we're involved in called music? I think my favorite part is touring. Because you just get to see and hear so much. You know, there's... And it brings you in and out of the music and shows you how much music really connects everything and how much it really is a universal language. Like, I I used to tell my mom stories from when I would come home from... Because I've only been on five tours, and they've mostly been on the East Coast. But we had this one tour where we went out across country and we ended up in Oregon. And I'll always be telling my mom stories about different places we went to. And she always just be like, man, the people who you've met on these tours are, they live such crazy lives. They're mm-hmm. so different from anything. Like, like she worked in a government job for a long time. So it's like, that's a pretty straightforward path. Like it's not exactly deviating into crazy territory too much. She got to go overseas a lot though and travel, but from what she's told me, at least, like she hasn't really seen a whole lot of different crazy things. Uh, just people living their lives, but in different places in different ways. And so when she hears about, like, I went to uh, Philly and we played a show in what used to be a fire department, but they, I think the department closed down, so they turned it into a bar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was, well, we were up there playing this open mic. And there was this guy in the back who we were smoking joint with. And he was like, yeah, man, I make knives for a living. And so in my mind, I'm like, you either make like ornamental knives or you're making like, uh, you're doing like factory-esque cutlery. Like mm-hmm. you're just making yeah, like kitchenware. Yeah. And and he showed me these pictures and he's got like, they're like butter knives, uh-huh. but they're the most ornate. Like <laughs> You're like, what holy grail did you melt down to cut? to get this glorious and it's all these intricate patterns woven into it and gem stuff and it's like this is a cutlery set this yeah, is like someone's yeah. dinnerware yeah. like and he's like yeah this is I, I make like big knives for kitchens like commercial kitchens and then that's like pays my bills but mm. then on the side I make these these really ornamental knives Tolkien and I'm like butter knives. yeah and I'm like <laughs> dude that's the 
craziest thing. And uh, for you, for me to meet you because I rap funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the ultimate. So to me, I fall in love with touring more and more every time I go. And every time I come home, I'm like, I'm glad to be home for a week. And then I'm like, I'm ready to leave. I want to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I think the, the travel bugs just got me. Yeah. So that's... That has brought something special to me from music that I can't ever... It's changed my whole life. I mean, music's already changed my life so many ways, but the traveling aspects really, like, everybody in any who does anything musical should travel and do it everywhere you go because you will meet so many cool people and see so many cool things and go to all of these awesome places... I can't. I can't fathom. <laughs> it's. I can't wait to see what's next. Just from taking the next journey. Yeah. So you're 24. Yeah. And you've said you've been on five tours. Yeah. So you started a couple years ago, pretty young. Yeah. Um. I think three years ago was okay. my first tour. Three or four years ago. Was there ever a moment that you felt like? vastly unprepared for what you had gotten yourself into every pretty young to be bouncing around the u.s uh, hmm. the first tour we were unprepared but not so unprepared that we were worried about it okay uh shout out to lady valor she's the she's the bomb mm-hmm. she's my rock she's my best friend she's awesome i uh, i miss her very much she moved to new jersey last summer um but she took me on my first tour, and we drove across country in my 2010, uh, what was it? It was a Volkswagen Jetta, uh, just a teeny tiny little diesel car. Mm-hmm. We took that thing and drove it through the beach, the desert, <laughs> the mountains, in the snow, and out of the snow. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Up and down, like through the redwoods. Like We put it through the test, and then we drove... Somehow we managed to get uh, back across the country, but all in one piece, no yeah, breakdowns. No, we got we got the luckiest we could get because as we're driving home, the car is beginning to break down, and we're oh, like, yeah. we we got to a point once we crossed the Georgia line and we were finally in Georgia, like coming through Atlanta. We were like, we can't stop at a red light. <laughs> if, if we stop at a red light, we might not make it home. <laughs> like, we had to cross our fingers and we didn't see any red lights. There was no traffic. Like, it was ridiculous. But dude, we definitely <laughs> could have been more prepared. Uh, but I don't regret it. Yeah. Not, not even a little bit. I mean, honestly, I wish I could have gone younger. <laughs> I wish I could have gone, like, right out of high school. Uh, but there's no way I would have been prepared, like, to the level I was at. And even then, I mean, all things considered... Uh, the only thing we weren't really prepared for was driving through New Mexico in the heat, mm. and we needed a place to stay in New Mexico one night, and we couldn't find a place to stay, and we had to climb. We were in Santa Fe. It had been like 108 the entire day. It's dry as all hell. We're out in the desert 
looking for places on our phone with has like half of a bar of service and somehow we're on the internet trying to find like a hostel or a hotel or anything we're like we don't have much money to spend on a hotel but we could spend something on on it one time or two times Mm -hmm. and so we're looking for something we can't find anything and Valora's like I have sleeping bags I had a sleeping bag we were like let's just try and find a campsite like Mm -hmm. maybe we can camp somewhere and uh, so we found this mountain that has campgrounds all up and down the sides of it. And we're like, sweet, we can just go up there and camp. And we get to the mountain. By the time we get to that point of uh, driving, it's already dark out. It's like 6 o'clock. And so we're like, we get to the bottom of the mountain and it says that you have to have a reservation. You have to have like a, a sticker pass. Mm-hmm. So we're like, we don't have that. We don't have money for one. And it's dark out. There's not a the gate. There's no gate to the front of the pathway. So we're like, let's just drive up there, park nearby some other people, and hopefully no one will ticket us or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we couldn't find anywhere on the mountain where there was an available place for us to camp. Oh, there Jesus. was nowhere. And so we're climbing. We're just climbing higher and higher. <laughs> but we're like, you know what? There's got to be something at this mountain. Like somewhere we can camp. And we get basically about as high up as we can get probably like seven miles up into this mountain it's snowing at this point (laughs) we have two very very mild sleeping bags and just a bunch of layers and blankets and so at first we were like let's just stay in the car we're staying in the car and we're like this is not comfortable yeah we can't we can't get comfortable we're just in this tiny little car uh it's like, all right, well, let's try just sleeping on the floor beside the car. We'll just try to make it work. And we're out there in this tent that's real flimsy, and the wind is blowing, and we're like sideways on an angle on this mountain face. And I'm like sleeping on a sheet that's like one flat rock. <laughs> and it's just not, it's just not happening. And at probably like four or five in the morning, uh, I was like, fuck it, I don't care. I'm just going to get in the car and I'm going to just crank the heat and I'll deal with getting gas tomorrow. We'll figure it out. (laughs) And so we finally get in the car and we have the heat cranked up. We're finally getting warm right as the sun is cranking up above the mountaintop. And we're like, man, this sucks. And we, uh, we slept up there for like another extra hour maybe and then started to drive down the mountain. As we're going down the mountain, the snow is melting, <laughs> and we're getting closer to the bottom of the mountain, and we're like, man, it's getting hot. Oh, we have all these no. layers on because we were sleeping in the cold all night, and we're getting to the bottom of the mountain, and it's 108 degrees again. We're like, what is happening? So sick for at least a day. I was yeah. just sneezing my face off. It was just miserable. Yeah. but Body's not ready for that kind of transition. other than that, <laughs> other than that, we had a great time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the only other thing that happened was I blacked out in New Mexico from heat exhaustion because Valor booked the whole tour. So Mm -hmm. I was like, I've never been on a tour. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't want you to book this whole thing. And then we drive your car the whole way. So I was like, I'll drive. We'll take my car. So Mm -hmm. like at least half the weight is on me. And so I had been driving most of the time. She had volunteered to drive and she would drive nights more than days. But... I was just like, no, I'm in it. I want to drive. I don't want to. I like driving when I'm on tour. Like, I don't mind. 
uh, it's fun for me, mm-hmm. and I just kind of enjoy watching the scenery change, stuff like that. Uh, and I'm kind of just a roadie, I think. I think I was kind of born that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like driving. And we were driving like 10-hour days because getting from – we went from Georgia. I think we crossed over a little bit of Florida, and then we went from here. We had to get to New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And then from New Orleans, we had to cross all the way through Texas horizontally. Which That's a fucking drive. <laughs> yeah, if anyone's ever been through Texas for any reason, every city <laughs> is 10 hours apart. Yeah. <laughs> and you will have to go the whole way getting very minimal amounts of gas and water. And uh, so we just tried to stock up as much as we could, but it was too much. And I blacked out by the time we got to Taos, New Mexico. Uh, shout out to the guy who runs that pho stand in the middle of that shopping center uh, right off the main street. There was just this little shopping area. And this guy was running a pho stand. And he was, uh, everyone we were with, at the time had ordered food I ordered mine last and I was sitting down he had like a little bench in front of his cart mm-hmm. he's like it'll be like 15-20 minutes so they're like we're gonna go walk off and explore and I was like I'm feeling kind of tired I'm just gonna sit here and they're like okay cool so they they were wandering around and I was sitting there and I was getting real comfortable he had a nice fan it was a cool breeze blowing I was finally under some shade and I was getting real comfortable I laid and I tilted my head back and the next thing I know I woke up on the floor like on the ground beside the cart and the guy is like nudging me in the back with his foot like hey hey dude get up and he like splashes water on me and he's like you okay and I was like I, I think I just have heat exhaustion. I'm tired. I'm sorry. And he's like, you're fine. Like, don't freak out. Just sit up. I don't want you to, like, fall over. So he leaned me up against the cart, and I'm sitting there waiting on my food. <laughs> Everyone's wandering out there all shopping and stuff. And uh, they've been gone, like, maybe close to an hour by the time they got like I finished my food I was hanging out and they were like dude what happened to you and I was like I've been here <laughs> what happened to y'all <laughs> it was funny but yeah I blacked out I don't even remember I don't know if anything happened I mean I, I guess I was alright I woke yeah. up I still have all my stuff I'm not like missing a kidney or nothing yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm good I'm all, all good things. I'm all whole so and no plans on stopping not at the moment I mean i I want to ride it till the wheels fall off. Really, I've I've fallen in love with it, and the only thing holding me back now is that I'm just not I'm not making enough personal life choices that'll let me be in the position to continue doing it consistently, like touring throughout the year. Mm-hmm. And it's also just a huge commitment. I'm not that. I'm not. I'm a roadie. I definitely love being on tour, but I also my homebody. I like having a home base, and so maintaining the home base takes up all the resources all the time yeah for sure so trying to balance that in a way that makes me feel fully content with the amount of touring that i do is kind of where i am uh i haven't been playing a whole lot of local shows because i've just been trying to work (laughs) and i haven't been doing a whole lot of touring because i've just been trying to work make maintaining a day job has been extremely helpful but at the same time, you know, you, you want to be able to make the music sustain itself. Mm-hmm. And so you just take the steps day by day. It's a process and it takes time. And and I definitely feel like I'm getting to a point where I'm, uh, 
I'm consistently making good choices and making proper steps with it, I think. So I'm just taking I'm I'm not afraid to take my time with it. I don't I know a lot of people feel like rap, especially, but just music in general is kind of a young person's game, but mm. I don't like to think that way. I feel like I've met enough older cats in all genres and respects. Uh to feel like you can do this stuff forever, no matter what your lifestyle happens to have to be. If you have kids, if you're single, if you have a day job, if it's your only job, if you've got like multiple things, if you've got like family obligations, like you can still make it work for you. Sure. And and there's a lot of fear in that for some people, but do it. Yeah, <laughs> if you're sure. listening, do it. Don't yeah. stop. Especially if it's something that's nagging at you. Yeah, especially if you love it, man. Like uh, when I first moved to Savannah, one of my younger cousins, he was getting close to going into college. Now he's about to graduate. Uh, he's been doing, he's been teaching music there. But he was, he was a musician, and he was kind of concerned about how to keep going when he was going to be in school. Because he was like, I know that I'm going to be taking these music classes and doing these activities, but I'm worried that I'm not going to have time to just do it for fun anymore. And mm-hmm. I was like, man, you just have to make the time. Uh, and he was like, "How do you?" He's like, "You know, I know you're rapping now, and you're you moved, and you're in a different place. Like, how are you finding time to still play guitar?" I was like, "Man, I just make the time. Like, yeah, I t- I purposefully take time out of my week to just sit down for like three hours and just play guitar, practice my scales, and practice riffs and play songs that I like, and try to improv over backing tracks, whatever what I got to do to to make myself and." feel comfortable and keep playing and keep going with it because not just because I love it and not just because it's a skill, but also just because, you know, it's something that's become a part of me Mm -hmm. and mentally it's good for my health. You know, I feel like there are times where you have to have certain kinds of expression. And if that expression happens to be musical man, you got to get it out, definitely, you got to, you got to stretch those muscles, whatever it is that you have to do. For sure. Dude, I can't think of a better place to end. Thank you so much for coming and doing this. I I really enjoyed our talk. Yeah, thank is there, you for is there me. anything else you wanna plug at the end of this or anything else you wanna talk about? Um Beartooth Collective has put out a short, like mini video tour documentary type thing called Tapes and Paints Volume Three. It's on YouTube. Uh, if you just look up Beartooth Collective or type in Tapes and Paints Volume 3, it should be like the first thing that pops up. It's just like 25 minutes of me, Lady Valor, and Vastness on our last tour. We, there's a little bit of clips from me and Vastness in New York. And then there's a bunch of tour videos of us just kind of traveling down the East Coast. And that came with a EP that has just a couple of songs from the three of us. And also a producer, a friend of mine. Shout out to Randall Bravery out in Milwaukee. Uh, he shot, he sent me a beat for it. And it's just a dope little four song record that's pay what you want. Um, I have a new record that'll be coming out. I want to say in late March. But if not late March, it'll probably be like springtime. Uh, I haven't really gotten anywhere to talking about it yet. So this is like the first time I've said anything. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, Weight room record exclusive. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for doing this, man. Yeah. Look forward thank you to, for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I look forward to everything you got coming up. Um, 
Yeah, it's a wrap. Yeah.